Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week I bring you stories that will inspire you, educate you, and give you hope. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. Today my guest is Nate Williams. He is a former blood gang member out of Compton, California. His childhood up to the age of 17 and he was put away for 32 years of his life, and I'll have him explain how and why. He's also the founder of an organization called Choices for Freedom, based right there in California. Please help me welcome my guest, Nate Williams. Welcome, Nate. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, a pleasure yes. and honor. Uh, I think it's more for me than it is for you, but I'll take it. You were referred to me by a lady who's doing the same kind of work I'm doing, except that she puts people's stories in a book. She's called a ghostwriter. Yes. So we're going to give a shout out to Shireen Riviera. She actually yeah. did your book, and we'll talk about that later in the interview. 17 years old, and you went to prison for 32 years. You were just a baby. Please tell me what happened. I was the result of pipeline to prison, I really didn't commit a crime. I was walking from home, going to the store, and my friend stayed two hours away from me. He did something, but he didn't tell me. And he had a radio, and I said, can I use your radio, and I'll drop it off by your house when I come back. He didn't say, he just threw the radio at me. He kept running, and I'd go around the corner, and the sheriff put me in a car, took me somewhere, and this lady said, I'm light-skinned. He's dark skinned. And this lady said, that's not him. The guy that did it was dark skinned. So they took me in an alley and threatened to beat me if I didn't tell who radio I had, because they know it was somebody with a radio, but I didn't fit the description. And then they threatened to hit me and beat me. And I was like, well, I held on to the, the ghetto or the community uh, codes of not telling. So I said, well, y'all just gonna have to beat me because I'm not gonna snitch. And they beat me and took me to jail and you know, going to jail, I I learned that um, when you go, the detective coerce you into taking plea bargains. All ninety percent of all cases in California are plea bargains because if everybody was to take a, a trial, it would shut down the whole system. Um, so I went to jail for something I didn't I didn't even understand first of all. And then when I got in the system, you know, um, I was fearful. And when I came home, I did join the game because I thought that that was the way that the society said I would be in a gang, I would die at a certain age. I didn't die, but I was in a gang that I'm just now recovering back maybe 10 years ago, my, giving my life. I've been free for 10 years now, doing amazing things out here in this world. That's like a dream to me. Um, and we could talk more, but it's, it's like so many degrees of my life. It's not just come out, um, I've changed laws. They don't even sentence kids the way. So, so the thing with me was I was only 17 years old um, and they had to determine whether I go to prison or California Youth Authority, be dealt with as a kid or adult. Why would America send a kid to adult system? That was wrong. They did do that. So that was 40 some years ago. And the psychs and psychiatrists, they did a diagnostic, diagnostic study on me, a 90 day observation before they sent me as an adult. And the psychs and psychiatrists at the at the Children's Center, California Youth Authority said, no, his brain is not fully developed till you're 24 to 25. It's wrong to do that. 
they did it anyway. The prosecutors was just, it was a commercial that said, use a gun, go to prison. And they were using that and just sending all these kids to prison before the crack and all the other stuff came. I was before that. So um, when I came home, after 32 years, I was supposed to do, they sentenced me to 25 years of life. Even with that, 25 years of, 25 years of life, you're supposed to do seven, 16 years. I went 32 years as a kid. So 17 years old, I felt they should have just gave me, if you're going to give me a life sentence for any kid, give them how old they are. I was 17 years old. Give me 17 years of life. I would have been, well, I am a product, a good product, but I would have been even better and, and maybe help more people out here because I'm helping so many people um, come home as well as people in society that never even thought about registering to vote or or, or their health um, or just being safe in the communities, making what what I made, what I the problems I've caused, I corrected and going beyond. That's why I feel like I, I owe society back a lot because, you know, I did do a lot and and, and, and I always say that, you know, I didn't, the reason why I possibly did more time is that I'm a Christian, I'm a born again Christian now, right? I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. And I think now in spiritual and biblical, and I think I did do that crime, but you also got away with these crimes. This is what I, me and him personally, that I have a relationship with him that now it's just free slate of helping people, praying and just re rewarding you know, so much stuff. The Bible tells you it gives you property and things. I have it, and it was like a dream, and I thought it was luck at first, but it's God. It has to be God. It's God. It's a blessing of God. So, Nate, it sounds like you were made an example of, unfortunately, and I, I want it to be known now that whoever sees this isn't a bashing about any particular type of law enforcement, the people that were behind it. Rather, you turned it around because we already know this happens more often than it's been talked about. I'm getting the opportunity to speak with you because you were one of those individuals that people just hear a very clip, clip or a blurbage in media and then everyone makes their own assumptions and draws their own conclusions on what they think happened versus what truly happened. You are the version that says this is truly what happened without saying we're pointing blame on something. So I wanna let that be known because I don't want to get hating on me or hating on you but what you did was you took that pain you turned it to power and being an example sometimes can turn to be a uh, a beautiful thing as you have already expressed i already know that you're a founder of a nonprofit, which we'll talk about in a minute but i, I want to go a little bit more to where people can actually understand you already said and i already said you were just a child you were given an adult sentence a life sentence um that I don't find to be fair, but I don't get to decide, neither do you. You served the time. The unfortunate part is you you lost some valuable time, in my opinion, of the years that most people are out here celebrating milestones and birthdays and things that happen in our lives. So I wanna say I'm sorry just because I am who I am. But I want you to give us more of an idea of what it was like for you being a kid, gang member or not, because people think when you're a gang member, you're tough, but they don't understand what a gang member is. So can you give me a little bit more about what a gang member is and then how it led into how you were able to survive in prison? Can you, can you do that? So, okay. Yeah, so my father was an alcoholic and he left our home when, when I was eight years old. And the last words my father said before moving from Compton, California to Alabama, he said, 
be the man of the house and take care of your mom and your sister. I had a little sister. And my mom, as soon as my dad left, he said, be the man of the house. As soon as my dad left, my mom immediately hugged and embraced my sister because she was a girl. But I didn't get that. And I really wanted, because I didn't understand what divorce meant. And I thought that he didn't love my mom and he didn't love me or my sister. So when he left, I didn't love him either. I started, you know, feeling like he wasn't a man. And when he said be the man, he was a man, but he wasn't. So I'm looking for what is a man? And when I went to jail for somebody and do and 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 seeing these gang members, they was like exciting. They didn't they didn't have to go to school. They didn't they had all these cars and things that were trickery to you attached to them to you once I got into it, it's like, oh, I didn't know this what I signed up, but I couldn't get out. If I would have tried to get out, once I realized what it was about, I would have became a victim. So I just excelled in being a gang member and it led me to um committing a serious felony and I did 32 years for a crime and I'm back now 10 years out free and like I said committing wonderful um things what, they, what's really changed they but, say that they say that we are who we are because of where we have been i'm a firm believer of that and i think our whole life when we recognize what those are why we are the way we are based on how we've been programmed our our cultures um our environments and society um there are choices in it and and we, I think, can agree that there's always a choice to everything. There's a consequence, there's a reward to either of the choice that you make. Um, you felt that, and you already expressed it, that there was the brokenness in your family. So you interpreted it as one way, and then it turned into a, a, a not so good situation. And then you even mentioned, and I've heard this before, where people say, ah, oh, I got in and now I can't get out. And I'm not sure how to understand how you can't get out, but knowing the history of gangs everywhere, but mostly we hear about is like Chicago, we hear in Compton, they're pretty tough. And you said then you would become a victim. Please explain to me and my audience what that means. Is that a sacrifice of your family or a sacrifice of your life? What is that? Yes, that could be a sacrifice of your family, your life, because you got, you got to also, you got to look at what gangs are. They're, they're, they do things criminally and, and, some of these things are still like I can say things that can put people in prison. People can say things about me of my past. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that they want to protect. As long as you're a gang member, you're going to always be loyal to that. When you step away, there's a possibility, you know, you can um, give whatever, help them or whatever. Um, but that shouldn't be a point. That shouldn't be a factor in you changing because that's not what that's not what's with cry. All you have to do is just stand up and be a person. Um, and I, I don't want to get into the details of being a gang member. I just want to have a, a better understanding so other people would have a better understanding as well. And hopefully that clears anything up. It has helped me. Thank you. And I don't want to get too much into you being incarcerated, but I do want to know, you were just a kid. Were you angry? And there's a lot of years that you lost in, in that time frame. Yes, I was very, I was very angry because that wasn't the crime that led me to the serious crime. The crime that led me, the crime that happened, I didn't, I didn't commit a crime. So I gave up on when I, when I went away, they sent me to a camp for six months for a crime I never committed. I got beat up by the police. 
even when I was in the camp, the, the camp directors and the counselors knew. They told me they we know you didn't. It, it's obvious, but I didn't have no attorney and other things to to fight. I'm a kid, so they let me go home early. They had me in the, they had me in a job where it was two of us. One of us was doing what we both was washing laundry. One kid would work one day and I would work the other day. I go to school and I'll work the next day. They'd walk the the head director off. They walked this other kid off. And then last year, these lawyers in Beverly Hill contacted me about my childhood, something that I covered up and thought I had got over. These lawyers wanted to know about that kid being sexually abused while I was there, right? I don't know about that, what happened. All I remember, they came and got the director. They came and got the kid. I watched this direct, I watched all of the staff sheets and all that. They used to ask me for s extra towels and stuff. And and sometimes they were like, like nice play, tattoo on a butt, whatever. It was never no sexual with me, but with that one kid, it, it, it must've been because they took both of them away. Fast okay. forward. So there's more trauma that's going on mm -hmm. inside those walls, and we won't we won't get into a great deal of that. I don't want anyone to be upset or again come back at me or you. It's a real life situation that goes on that we are um, blinded by, or we are naive, or we are sheltered from. Um, so we're going to move forward from that. Um, I'm sure you had no trust in anybody after finally coming out to know what life was all about away from that environment. Yes? When I first came out? Mm-hmm. Trust yes, was probably I, the hardest thing for you to find. It, it still is with relationships. Yeah. It's like I, my growth stopped and in there, there was no trust. So coming out here, I have to really, really get to know you. It's just family right now and, and close friends. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not that many people that I really trust. But there was a part in you that you trusted and this is where I get to ask some really fun questions. Um, because I know you've had the privilege of meeting a celebrity that recently passed away, Harry Belafonte. And, oh, yes. Um, yes, anyone that knows who he is, or excuse me, was, um, he was an actor, a singer, an activist, um, and yes. supported the civil rights movement. Yes. How did you get the privilege of meeting this man? Oh, while I, while I was in prison, what changed my life was my daughter coming to visit and she has, they had took my contact visit. She was behind the glass. She was crying. And I said, I had to change some behaviors to, to not ever make her ever cry. And that's what I did. But when I was changing, I started this organization in prison. And it was a culture. We was trying to bring in cultural events and, um, you know, Reentry programs when we weren't even going home, but we was doing it for the guys that was in and coming in out of prison, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was I was emceeing and emceeing these events. It was Black History Month events and Juneteenth events. So I had to go study about, and I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't a true believer of Christ or civil rights. None of that stuff was registering, but I had to go read about Martin Luther King to be, I was an MC on all these events on the yard, like thousands of people. So I had to go research to do a speech or whatever, depending on whatever holiday. All the time, Dr. Martin Luther King's speeches was the most that I, that I would 
speak on. And my grandmother was a, a real Southern Baptist Christian that used to come to the prison. And the officers that beat me up when I was a kid, that's the anger that I still held on to. Even 25 years later, she came to visit me. She said, you need to let that go because nobody stays the same after 25 years. I said, no, my dears, they're still racist. They beat me as a kid. I said, why don't they come apologize now? She said, look, you've been in here 25 years. She said, I said, yeah. She said, I've seen the change. You're changed. I said, yeah. She said, trust me, nobody stays the same. Um, pray. And, and she wanted me to repent all kinds of, but I didn't want to do it. A year later, she passed away. And I got a letter under my door from the victims of my case forgiving me. And I couldn't understand what that was. How could a family forgive me for doing something? And it was agape. I'm finding out later, agape is the same love that Jesus had for the world. Like all the things that happened to him, that's what that family had that they gave me that I couldn't even understand in, but I'm grateful now for that gift that they gave me. A lot of people need to understand what that is, but I think we have to go through stuff to understand what that statement really means, too. Um, unfortunately, we do get hurt by people. We are emotional creatures. Um, and I think the best thing was said to you was forgiveness is really a huge part of how we can move forward in our lives, which is another choice that we get to make, right? And I met him both our birthdays. Harry Belafonte is mine is March 1st. Ah. And he really took a liking to me. Like, it was like a... I never knew met nobody with the same birthday he and either. So a me too. Really took a liking to me. A me too factor. Yes. I like those me too factors that are on the positive side, of course. But the me too factors can also be a positive, depending on the situation that could help someone. Now, you've been out for how long? Ten years. And you founded an organization called Choices for Freedom. So, what kind of programs are a part of your organization? One of them particularly is uh, Path to Restoration, which is a six-week class. I show Maya Angela's story, her life story. She was raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, as well as St. Louis, Missouri. She was raped by another man, and she was exposed, her whole family, to the Jim Crow laws. And then I tell my trauma, the girls, whoever's in the circle, whether it's men or women or ch children, they tell their trauma. And, and then the rest of the weeks are handouts. And at the end of the course, we have graduations, um, food, and we give out gift cards, depending on the pop, um, whether it's kids, we give gift cards, adults, we give um, movies, um, spas, whatever the group. So what? It's, it's, it's so, very interesting. So what is the point of the six weeks course? What is it doing for women and kids who are in a position of um, being incarcerated or, or being detained from society? It is it's showing them that the bigger picture of when you're stressed out, when you're going through trauma, the bigger picture is how you never get rid of trauma. We try to show them that it just come back around in cycles and it's how you deal with it, whether you have to go talk to a therapist or somebody, a relative, or we try to get them to not go to that point, to know, understand that life, you're gonna be like, like up and down, up and down. And it's the down part, the part where people either go into depressing or use drugs, but it's part of life. Um, there's no, there's no high point all at, at, at any point of our lives, and we have to understand that. And when it arises, don't let it um, cripple you or or depress, put you in depression 
state of mind. And, and it does. Share them with and and yes. it does because we are emotional creatures. Um, yes. What would be the key component to your organization? Love, love that was given to me before I came home. There was med there was all type of spiritual, I call them healers, people like Nadia Handra, Harry Belafonte, Danny Glover, all these people came inside the institution when I had never thought they will, I would never thought I'd see Danny Glover coming in inside the institution, supporting our program, Harry Belafonte. And I met him through this man named Nadia Alejandro, which met him and brought him into the institution. So their love for us, Karen, it taught me about humanity. We're all the same. There's no, there's not even no rich people. It's all, we're all the same. Agape. It's just love. And, and, and the more I pray, the more I study, I understand what life is and what life should be for everybody. I wish everybody could have what I have, the blessing of God. I like what you just said because that's how I look at things too. Because if we were to close our eyes or not even have vision, then we are yes. the same. Then we are the same, right? Yes. There, there is no color. There's only a language. So I like that you said yeah. that. Thank you. Um, I know we only have a few minutes before I ask my final question, but can you give me briefly any success story that comes to mind that um, someone has gone through your program and you've gotten to witness? Oh yes. So there's one. Look, I don't know if you if, do. Y'all have do y'all know what bipping is when they break the car windows? No. Up there where y'all at? No. So out here where we're at in the Bay, especially San Francisco, they. Tourists come from all over the world here to, to go to see, go to Gay Bridge and all that. So the youngsters know that. And the tourists, they leave everything in their glove department. So these youngsters know that. So they break the windows and they get all this stuff. So I had this one kid, when I first came home, the first kid I mentored, that's what he used to do. I used to have to go pick him up from juvenile hall. And then he got older, I, I used to have to go take him to get his cars he didn't even have a license. They knew what he was doing, and they was just waiting until he turned 18. And I was on him, and then I gave up on him. I was just waiting until to see what he did. And then they they made him go to L.A., like 100 miles from his house. And he turned 18, and he just outgrew criminal stuff. And they had some type of federal program where they gave him a house, and they put him in school. Now he's he has his own apartment. He's in school. Um, he's one of the first person I hired because I was a juvenile that went in the system. My organization hired the first juvenile. It was him. Wow. I hired wow. somebody, that, my first mentor. I yes. love that. And there's love a girl that. I want to hire, but she's not ready yet. My first girl that I mentor, she's not ready yet, but he has done everything right and deserving. And I gave him a position with me. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yeah. And uh, what is your website and how, how we can get a hold of you if someone wants to be a part of the program or know more about the program being out there in California? Choicesforfreedom.org, or if you can see this real close. Like and there's a book out too, Rise to Passes. There you go. Yep, I wanted to see your book. It's called? Rise to Passes. And it can be found where? Amazon, any Amazon, and and I also would like to say if anybody in any state, in any theater, or any community would like me to show the movie, 
that I'm in Harry Belafonte's movie called Senior Song, I will come to your community and show it for free. I said free, for free. And But I would like to have my book on display after the discussion, after the movie. And after we're done recording, I will tell you more about that, that I have people here that I've let that be known. So um, with that being said, I, um, I want to ask my final question. You ready? I am yes. really looking for, I, so I ask a lot of questions as you've already, you've already experienced. And I sit with a lot of different people, which keeps me probably more grounded than the average person. And then of course my production team were amazing. They also get to stay grounded. And it reminds us how grateful we really should be versus complaining about things that we really don't have the right to complain about. If I only had one question to ask someone to know or get to know what I think they're all about, it would be this question. What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey of your life so far? That you can't judge a book by its cover. That seems so very appropriate with what you just experienced and shared. Very true. We always hear these cliches, don't know where they came from, but then for some people, they understand it because they live it, and that is you. Yes, and you get to change the ending of your book. Yes, I get the right to ending of my book. On your term. I always tell people, my time, my terms. Yes. Of course, unless God steps in, of course, I'm always following him. <laughs> Is there anything that I did not ask you that you would like to share real quickly? Because I, this is about you and your organization and how you can help others. Oh, you did a great job. This is actually my first interview since I wrote this book that I've been interviewing. Oh, I'm even more honored. But you've got to speak around places that I would just be honored to do. So you're, you're ahead of me. But yeah. Well, congratulations. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you again for being my guest. It does mean a lot to me, and I'll, I'll, let, um, I'll let you know when I talked to Shireen how impressed I was because she said your story was pretty moving. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, your global creative agency based right here in downtown Chandler. If you have a story you want to share or know someone who has a story that would help someone along their journey of their life, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, you may also email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. I hope this interview will help you or you can share it. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care. <laughs>